This is episode 411 for February 2016, and that is a heavy metal cover from the 1980s Spider-Man cartoon show that came out around the same time as Amazing Friends did. It was syndicated. Not many people have seen that, that uh, particular cartoon, but I thought it was pretty good for the time. And that cover is by the band Your Friendly Neighborhood, and I'll put a link to that YouTube clip on our message board under the thread, What Did You Think of Episode 411? And you can review this episode and also check out their YouTube clip. And before we get to the show, I'd like to ask for your support to help us pay the bandwidth costs for these 400-plus episodes. Log on to our front page at spidermancrawlspace.com and look for a button on the right-hand side that says support this site via PayPal. And you can ensure that more episodes come out in the future. All right, gang, on with the show. JR, we're going back to February of 1982. What were you doing in 82, JR? I was in the second grade. <sighs> 1982. Uh, let's see here. What's yeah. the day here? The cover date was February, so it was probably came out in late 81. I was a freshman in college at Indiana State oh, University. Man. George, what were you doing in February 82? Uh, I was probably in fifth grade. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. And I remember this cover. It has the full killer on the uh, front. It's got uh, Spider-Man jumping all over around. And my uncle came over for Christmas and got a magic marker and colored in full killer's eyes on my comic. And I still have this issue in my collection. (coughs) Man. Anyway, uh, written by Roger Stern. All right. Full full killer. (laughs) Full killer, actually... uh Prior to, the, I, th- I believe it was prior to this issue, took on like the Defenders and burned down their mansion. Mm-hmm. Oh damn! I didn't read Defenders. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, this was actually the second Fool Killer too. Yeah, um, but I guess we can go into that when the story when the, we get through the story. But yeah, yeah. this looks like a Stern's second issue on Amazing. It is. Isn't it? it is yeah. number two on Amazing, and and pen- pencils by John Romita Jr. Yeah, it's amazing how Romita Jr.'s style changed over the years. <clears throat> oh yeah, I like this style too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it fit very well with the time. I mean, uh, but uh, basically what Stern was doing here was he was bringing over, because Stern had had a run on Spectacular before he came to Amazing. So basically he's bringing some of his old subplots uh, to Amazing with him. Uh, and this particular one involves a student, grad student by the name of Greg Salinger, uh, who is... Kind of intense. Peter notices Peter's a grad assistant at this time, which <laughs> which is actually exactly what my daughter is right now. My daughter's a, a grad assistant, um, and uh, God, this is frightening. See, back, <laughs> back when I read back when I read this issue originally, I you were in college. I was Peter Parker, you know, yeah. and now it's like my grown daughter is Peter Parker. So. <laughs> anyway, so so Peter's a grad assistant, and he's teaching, and he's got this student by the name of Greg Salinger, who seems like a nice guy, but he's just really intense. And for some reason, he's setting Peter's spider sense off, but only when he's not looking at him. Like, you know, he'll come up, you know, he'll see Greg, you know, kind of on a bench or whatever, looking all intense, and his spider sense will be going off. And then Peter will say, hey, Greg, how's it going? And Greg will turn around and look at him and, hey, Pete, how's it going? And he's like, well, my spider sense just turned off. That's kind of strange. Why is that happening? So, but anyway, like these two FBI dudes are come on campus and are trying to get Greg to supposedly rat out some friend of his who is involved in a crime. So something's going on with this Greg Salinger character. Well, issue 225. The, these two FBI guys, uh, they, uh, they're hunting the fool killer. And the one guy says, well, how do you know he'll show up? You know, well, I've got this letter that says he will. You know, and sure, there's a letter from the fool killer. <laughs> and it's, he's got a card stapled on the back. And the card says, you have 24 hours to live. Use them to repent or be forever damned to the pits of hell where go with all fools. Today is the last day of the rest of your life. Use it wisely or die a fool. The letter was originally meant to go to Jack Bauer for 24 hours. That went nowhere. I apologize. Please return to spider history. (laughs) I I couldn't even give you a sympathy laugh for that. Uh, Oh. <laughs> that was awful, wasn't it? It sucked. Bad. <laughs> anyway, so the fool killer <coughs> shows up, uh, kills one guy, 
and says, you know, you shouldn't have tried to find me because I have just about given up my crusade because I realize there are just too many fools in the world for me to kill, except the biggest fools of all, uh, which you guys obviously qualify. So, zap. So he kills him. All right. Anyway, yeah. so Peter's teaching a class, and this Greg Salinger comes up to him. And, you know, he's he's late to Pete's class, and and Greg's all worried and says, eh, you know, Pete says, hey, calm down, calm down. What's what's going on? You still having trouble? Because his scholarship has been held up, you know. And Greg goes, yeah, man, it's like a, uh, you know, the re- it says it's caught up in the red tape in the registrar's office, you know. And, and my, you know, I need that money because my tuition bill's coming due. And Peter says, oh, man. I said, oh, you're fucked. Oh, yes. You're you're screwed. Uh, <laughs> a lot of students are having trouble with the registrar's office. So anyway, so later that night, Peter spends all day at school and oversees evening labs. And he walks out the door and he sees this guy walking up a wall. He says, hey, wait a minute. That's my gimmick. Um, and then he references the guy on the who did the Sears Tower. He said, this guy's stealing my act, just like the guy who climbed the Sears Tower, which uh, a couple of times in the previous year prior to this issue is why he's referring to a guy by the name of Dan Goodwin dressed up as Spider-Man and climbed up a couple of different buildings, and one of them was, was the Sears Tower. So, now, wait a minute. This is real life or in the comics? Real life. No, it was real life. Oh, I don't remember that. Just this Dan Goodwin character. Um, he um, had like suction cups or something on his hands, didn't he? Yeah, he had. Oh, yeah, what he was trying to do, he was trying to bring attention to the fact. I think that uh, he didn't think that the fi- fi- that a lot of firefighting techniques were adequate, and he was trying to bring attention to that or something or other. But so and he was dressed as Spider Man. He dressed as Spider Man a couple of times. Uh, one to climb a building in Dallas, and then another time he, like George said, he had the suction cups and he walked up the Sears Tower. That was that was a major media event. I mean, that was yeah. big news. Um, wow, I'm looking at pictures on Google Images. There he is. This is why spider history... Wow. See, spider history is not just spider history. It's American history. It's the history of us. Oh, God. Now you're pushing This it. guy is still doing it, too. The last one he did was uh, March uh, 2014 in Santiago, Chile. Yeah. Chile. And he's like my, 60 my, years old, and he's still... yeah. He did something huh. for a Stan Lee, too, didn't he? Didn't Stan have some kind of show or something? And I think he appeared on it. But anyway, so, yeah, this guy's, uh, you know, this is now his being. gimmick. Um, anyway, so what, what's, what it is, it's the fool killer, and he's going to the registrar's office. The registrar's working late because, well, naturally, all these students are getting screwed out of their scholarships and stuff, and he's going through the paperwork, and the fool killer shows up and says, Aha, you were, I know you were expecting me. And the guy says, I never say a lot. I never saw you before in my life. I wasn't expecting you. You know, you didn't get my letter. No. Ah, damn the post office. Well, you're a fool anyway. So, so he's going to kill him. But Spider Man comes in and saves the day. But the fool killer gets away. Then we get about two pages of fool killer thoughts. Uh, and we find out that he's really the second fool killer. The first one was created by Steve Gerber and appeared in the Man Thing. And and sound right. Anyway, so he appeared in <laughs> in the man thing or with a man, man thing. thing. He was with the man. Anyway, so at least it wasn't a giant size man thing. Um, right. But anyway, yeah. so like he died in the second issue that he appeared. So the fool. <laughs> so then what happened? Richard Rory, who was a supporting character in the man thing titles, wound up in jail in the same jail cell with the fool kill with this this other guy who became the and he told him stories of the fool killer, so he became the second fool killer. All right, and then they reference his battle with the the, the defenders, um, and um, so anyway, back at school, Peter runs in this Greg Salinger again, who's setting off his spider sense. But then he turns around and see, and you know, Greg sees his Peter, and he says, "Oh, hey, Pete, how's it going?" And uh, you know, can I talk to you? And Peter says, "Yeah, what can I do for you, Greg?" And he said, "Well, I sent out a couple of letters last week, one off campus." You know, and they got that, but I sent a letter to someone here on campus and it never and it never arrived. And then Peter says, Oh, that doesn't surprise me. You are a victim of the campus mailroom. Huh, mail goes in but it doesn't come out. If you saw the fools who worked there, you wouldn't be surprised. Uh, kind of like Taffy, George. And then Greg says <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Thanks, Pete. 
So yeah, Peter's like, oh, that was strange. You know, he's setting off my spider sense again. So I don't know what the hell's going on. So he goes in, you know, he goes into Dr. Sloan's office, and Dr. Sloan's administrative assistant, Deb Whitman, is there. This is before she starts hanging out with Biff Rifkin. And, um, you know, and before her psychiatrist decides to tell Peter Parker the details of their supposedly confidential psychiatric sessions, and Dr. Sloan says, oh, you didn't hear about her mental problems? You know, so anyway. <laughs> so anyway, so Deb is just like... <laughs> she's all just and and Peter and she says a student was looking for you all day and and Peter says yeah he found me Jesus what's got your panties in a wad and uh, Deb says well he 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 came in here and he asked where you were and I didn't know and he called me a fool and then and Peter, oh shit so anyway so the fool killer attacks the campus mailroom Spider Man. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man, unfortunately, does not do a public service. He saves them. Uh, the fool killer gets away, but he knows that Spider-Man is going to be on him in seconds. So he has to hide. So he's running into his alley, and he runs into a homeless person. And, you know, a homeless person says, well, what are you doing, Zorro? Because he's dressed like, he looks like Zorro. And uh, the fool killer says, I'm trying to hide from Spider-Man until I can figure out a way to kill him. And the homeless person mm -hmm. says, hey, I've seen Spider-Man in action. You know, and anybody gunning for him, <laughs> they're just a fool. <laughs> anyway, the fool killer goes, you know, you're right. So he takes a gun, he puts it against his head, you know, and Spider-Man, I don't, can't let you do that, you know. And so the, the but and then Spider-Man takes his mask off and it's, well, it's, it's as you do, it's Greg Salinger, you know. Hmm. And he says, you got to let me die. I'm a fool. I'm a fool. You know, said, no, 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 you're not. But here, let me take you to a place where you'll get a nice long rest. Away from fools. A nice rubber room and some, uh, some yeah. applesauce <laughs> and a Thorzine drip. There you go. And, you, and you'll tell your story on TV, and a third fool killer will show up uh, and star in a 10-issue miniseries. And then a fourth fool killer will appear wow. as well. So there have been four fool killers. So Wow. I never read that miniseries. Was it any good? Uh, I ha I haven't read it either. Uh, when I was researching it, uh, there was somebody who wrote a fairly favorable review of it. But uh, I'm trying to remember who wrote it though. But it was it wasn't Gerber. Uh, yeah. But um, anyway, so but that was about the third fool killer. But then there's been a fourth one since then. So, but this was the second one. What did you think of that issue? Well, you know, when I was um, reading it now, you just kind it's just kind of there. Yeah. Um, but. In the context of the times, because uh, you know we had just Amazing Spider-Man had had been through hell with Denny O'Neill or whoever yeah. Denny O'Neill was using, whatever fifth grader Denny O'Neill was using to write the stories for him. <laughs> um, just it was a dreadful period. So when Stern came over, I mean, it, this was like you know, two twenty-four was a vulture story. It was a decent story, and you know, this was kind of like. Hey, you know, okay, it's been a lot better than what we've seen. And then it's the next better. issue was the two-part Black Cat story. That was good. And that's when it started kicking. And then, you know, we get, and then like in 29 and 30, we get the Juggernaut story. So, yeah, yeah it, it was, it, you know, in the context of the times, you can see Stern getting warmed up. So it was yeah. okay. That's good. Over in spec, uh, we've got a story named Firebug, written by Bill Mantlow and Greg LaRouche. The Roke, I think, uh, on pencils. And you've got uh, the Molten Man grabbing Spider-Man with uh, Harry and Liz looking. Uh, the long-awaited return of Harry Osborn and Liz Harry, Allen. didn't we just briefly mention him 30 days ago? Yeah, yeah. we and I, and I said 30 days ago that we were going to talk about him again. So but, but that was so long ago, I, Brad didn't remember. So, I'm so sorry. So yeah, forgetful. Brad didn't remember because, well, you know, it's been 30 days. You know, I mean, it's February. We're looking forward to March. You know, of course, in Cleveland, it's still minus 10 degrees. Uh, it was 63 in oh, Missouri. Shit, hang on here. <laughs> it's, in the, it's in the 70s here in Dallas. Yeah, nice. Yeah, but it'll be in the 30s tomorrow, right? Yeah. You got you guys' weather. I think I think you guys' weather is a little more extreme than ours, but we're we're one of those places where you can use the the heater and the air conditioner in the same day. Doesn't happen very often, but it sounds like it happens more often in Texas. We do that a lot here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hang on a second. My wife sent me a text. 
Better answer it. Yeah, I better. <laughs> I better. I'm going to be. Uh, can, uh, we'll discuss it tomorrow, maybe. Tomorrow, I'm still on the show. <laughs> Two bald dudes are talking to me. <laughs> I was thinking about editing that out, but screw it. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's actually, she just kind of, she's trying to start her own like card making business or whatever. And she's asking oh. me a business related question. And it's like, you know, it's 12, like 22 a.m. Like here. And I, you know, and I don't feel like saying anything smart or intelligent, which is why I'm doing this. Why start now? Yeah, that's why we have you on. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Spectacular Spider-Man 63. Yeah, Liz and Harry hadn't been seen. When was the last time? <sighs> they had gotten engaged. I actually think the last time we saw them was uh, around issue 180, I think, at the end of Lynn Wein's Amazing Run. Uh, like 78, 79, maybe? Yeah, that's about right. This is 82? Yeah, so it's been a while. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um so anyway, the story begins, there's this arsonist, you know, and he's going, hey, fire, fire, and, uh, you know, he's, he's getting ready to burn a building down. Well, <laughs> this, is, this is the proto uh, Beavis? <laughs> yeah, that sounded just like Beavis. <laughs> fire, fire. You know, my name is Cornolio, I need TP for my bunghole. Uh, that Jesus. is scary how good that actually was. Wow. Beavis and Butthead? Yeah, no, how good you doing it was, just a second ago. Uh I've just got Johnny Cash in my head. I fell into a burning bunghole of fire. Yeah, JR's thing was better. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just, uh, just FYI. I was about to say. <laughs> anyway, so he's going to burn this hospital down. But then, like, in the next page, uh, we see the hosp- this hospital burning down. And Spider-Man shows up at the scene, but and the cops are dr- dragging this firebug away, and he's saying, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, you know? I mean, yeah, I had all my shit here, and yeah, I was going to burn it down, but I really didn't. And so Spider-Man's saying, hmm, boy, you know, the guy caught red-handed, but he really, he seems to be, pro- you know, protested awful hard that he really didn't burn this building down, which is kind of strange, considering these guys are proud of their work. So yeah. so he goes, Spider-Man starts going, you know, after the fire's out or whatever, Spider-Man goes back and, you know, he looks in, he says, uh-oh, melted footprints in the concrete. Hmm, wonder who that could be. And this hospital was built on a for- the grounds of a former pharmaceutical building, Hmm. Probably swarm. Say, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hmm. Could it be a Nazi scientist skeleton covered in bees? <laughs> no, no, not him. <laughs> Although Molten Man would have been a better choice than Swarm for the musical, that's for sure. God, that was a terrible costume. Uh, anyway, so Spider-Man says, well, you know. Hang on. <laughs> okay. There's Swarm. That way we can track whatever comes in. Hang on, folks. i got to do this to save my marriage. Comes in. We can, we, can, we can make changes later if we have to. Now, you know, I don't have the idyllic relationship with my wife like Brad has with his wife. And I don't live in this, this single utopia that George is like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought I, I thought I had arrested psychological development. <laughs> what the hell has George got? I mean, that looks That's like... That's swarm. That's a swarm action swarm? figure. I was about to say, oh, oh. <clears throat> wow, we can make changes later if need be, if... I like that JR refers to my life as a utopia. You're single. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have the you have the life you have the kind of life that old men like me just dream about. If he pans if he pans the camera to the right, there's three girls passed out on the bed, right? Sure. Run away. <laughs> they're actually like a half eaten box of chicken over there. <laughs> what the hell ever? <laughs> Goddamn! Wow, choke yeah, him up. Are, I'm gonna get married real soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't want to touch that because that's the, that's not my story to tell about the, you know. Anyway, um, so Spider-Man says, ah, "I got to find Harry because if anybody knows about Molten Man, it's Harry's wife." <laughs> 
You know, who, of course, because Liz is the stepsister of the Molten Man. So, but Peter tries to call Harry, but the number's been disconnected. Since the 70s, yeah. So he calls Flash Thompson. So, you know, Peter says, hey, Flash, where's Harry? And Flash says, oh, you didn't hear? Harry and Liz got married. You know, and they're they're living in New Jersey now. And Spider-Man says, they got married, and they didn't invite me? Yeah, you remember your your best friend? (laughs) Yeah, and Flash says, well, yeah, but they didn't invite any of us to the wedding. You know, and then Peter says, "Why didn't I do this? I thought I thought he went to the wedding." No, and then Peter says, "Well, the hell if they're going to get any wedding gifts from me now." <laughs> so, anyway, what am I thinking of the one around one one fifty ish? Betty Brandt. That's it. One fifty six Mirage, which I'm we get, covered on an earlier episode of this month. I, I, I'm experience. getting getting my supporting cast confused of weddings. Yes. Okay, so, and and yet yet I'm the oldest one who's closest to Alzheimer's, right? Uh, anyway, so so <laughs> anyway, they well they got they ran off and got married because you know when you're when when you know when your dad is the Green Goblin and you're a nut yourself who became the Green Goblin, but then your psychiatrist who was supposed to help you became the third Green Goblin, and then you fall in love with a woman who happens to be the half sister or the stepsister or the molten man. I guess there comes a point where you just kind of want to get away from it all, you know, and just get, that, dis- get that shit quick in Vegas. Yeah, yeah do it, it and, and go and live in Inglewood, New Jersey. So they're living hey, in Inglewood, New hey, Jersey. Hey, Jr. We're just real yeah. quick. Since we're talking about Molten Man and Liz, was there ever a specific reason, or maybe you've heard of it, that that he had to be her stepbrother? It was a Conway thing. Um, uh, It was um, like Liz literally disappeared for 100 issues. I mean, she showed up, you know, she she appeared in the high school graduation issue, and then I think Peter ran into her a few issues later, and then she disappeared. She was gone. Uh, and then she showed up like an issue 132, and that happened to be the time they brought the Molten Man back. And she explained being gone all that time was because she was taking care of the Molten Man, Raxton, who was her stepbrother. So was there any particular reason she had to be the step or the stepsister of the Molten Man? Only because Jerry Conway said so. And it, was, remember, it didn't come this up before the, then, like any, any of nope. his previous appearances? They were just brother and sister then? Uh, well, Raxed, the last time the Molten Man appeared, I think, was like an issue number 35, back yeah. when it was still like a metal alloy-covered thing. And Now, there was no hint of any kind of relationship, none whatsoever. Huh. Hmm. Now, I was just, remember, I mean, remember, this comes on the heel of the Doc Ock Aunt May wedding. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is the 70s, this is Jerry Conway. So, you know, you get what you get. So, you know, you get some of the, you get the classics, and you get some of the other stuff. Um, so anyway, Flash says, you know, yeah, none of us were invited because they wanted to go into Lope. They wanted to get away from it all, you know, and Peter says, oh, okay, well, thanks, Flash. And then Shashan comes in and Flash says, woman, you know, woman, make me some sandwiches. So anyway, so Peter decides, or Spider-Man decides to go to New Jersey. And he walks up to Harry's door, you know, and Harry answers the door. Oh, my God, Spider-Man, what are you doing? What are you doing here? And Spider-Man goes, eh, Harry, still the same old pussy he always was. Uh, <laughs> you know, hey, Harry, is your wife there? You know, is Liz there? I want to talk to her. Oh, yeah, she's probably not be- there because she's probably looking for a pair of balls for you. Actual anyway. dialogue from the issue. Man. So, anyway, so Spider-Man, holy shit, the Molten Man's here. Well, you know, of course, in issue Amazing 173, the Molten Man kidnapped Liz because he was going to, he, he figured he, he was dying and he wanted her to die with him. But Spider-Man saved her. Well, the Molten Man is now carrying a grudge because Liz didn't want to die with him. You know? <laughs> That's an F-up relationship. You know, that... Cause comics. That bitch. You know? <laughs> you know? Just because she didn't want to be incinerated, you know, <clears throat> uh, just as her life was starting. So anyway, so Spider-Man and the Molten Man start fighting, you know, and... And, uh, you know, Harry, you know, and Spider-Man says, Harry, get the hell out of here. And Harry says, no, no. You know, can, can you imagine Sheldon Cooper getting a spine? No, I, everybody's fighting, fought for me in the past and fight my battles. I'm, uh, you know, so anyway, so Spider-Man, you know, so Harry is, eventually decides to spray water on the Molten Man. Okay. 
<laughs> anyway, the house is now burning down, and the fight goes on. Burning outside. down the house. The fight, Ma, you know, house. And, and Talking, Head, Talking Heads is playing in the background. Right. Um, cool, babies. As long, along with Revenge of the Nerds playing on TV. Wow. Uh, so... Anyway, so the fight goes outside, and all the neighbors, you know, because this is a subdivision, this is suburbia, you know, and neighbors are, you know, always pitching in. So all the neighbors turn their hoses on the molten man. <laughs> so, and then Spider-Man says, ha, ha, be darned, they've lowered the molten man's temperature by several hundred degrees, so psh, I'll just spray some web gloves, psh, start punching him, and I punch him into the pool, and... You know, and everything fizzes, and the molten man is there unconscious, and he's back to his alloy form. You know? Okay. And Harry says, what am I going to do? My house burned down. And the neighbor guy, neighbor guys all says, you know, Harry, says, you know, you can stay with us, you know, as long as you pass that wife of yours around. No. Wow. <laughs> wow. And, and you know, so that's what happens in the suburbs, evidently. So Spider-Man says, oh, well, that's life in the suburbs. And uh, how do I catch a bus back to New York? <laughs> the end. Wow. All right. Good story or bad? Eh, it was an ass story, but it's Kevin Osborne. So? But not, not, not the good one, you know. <laughs> that's not true. JR, you have to understand. Brad's definition of was this good or not, and then he immediately follows it. And he does the same shit with me with, but it had Stegron in it. And I'm like, just because Stegron shows up doesn't mean it's a good story. Well, I, I, but I guaranteed, I, bacon. I thought Stegron made it better. Yeah, yeah, no, it does. It, by just, I mean, by default, it doesn't yeah. mean that the story is is any good. I mean, it's a bad story with Stegron is still better than a, a bad story with no Stegron. Well, that's true. That's true. You know, but that's that's always Brad's thing. Well, it had this thing in it that you like. I'm like, well, that doesn't mean shit. Well, that's that's a starting point. Well, yeah, but it was Harry, and he wasn't the goblin. There was no <laughs> goblins. I mean, it just you know, it's like, and, and he's out in suburbia, and people are spraying the molten man with hoses. I mean, it's the early, it's an early '80s story. I mean, was it a, you know, did you did you wonder since '78 what was happening to Harry? No. You didn't give a shit. Okay. <laughs> well, you see, I was going through a traumatic period. I was, uh, you know, I was away from home for the first time. You know, I was, you know, I had left my small town of Petersburg, Indiana, and I was in the big city of Terre Haute, Indiana. You know, I mean, the, the town of Larry Bird, for Christ's sake, you know. Terre Haute got destroyed and uh, dead men don't wear plaid. <laughs> yep. That's if right. You've ever seen that movie? At the end of it, it you know they. I haven't. I haven't Indiana. seen it, but it became a part of a running. Well, it was part of a running joke between Steve Martin and uh, because for whatever reason Martin got on the uh, Tonight Show and he said Terre Haute, Indiana, is the most nowhere place in the universe or whatever, and he. For whatever reason, he picked Terre Haute, Indiana, out of the thin air and decided to bash it. <laughs> well, the city. Justifiably, it's like, oh, what the hell did we do to you? And so they kind of had a little thing going back and forth. And Martin showed up to Terre Haute, and he was like the Grand Marshal. So it was they had a joke with it. And then yeah, he did, Terre Haute gets destroyed, and dead men don't wear plaid. And I think, but doesn't he say like, ah, oh, just as they were about to get a public library? Yeah, they were just about to get a public. <laughs> so there was, I've, a, never, there was, I've never seen that. Oh movie. my I, God, Brad, are you serious? Yeah, I've never have. No, that so movie it was either. a running. It was kind of a running joke. I think he kind of realized that. Uh, yeah, yeah, and so he. Eventually, they both the city and he got something out of it. So you need to see that, Brad. It's hysterical. Sounds like it. I like Steve Martin. It's a too. lot of fun. That's that was around the time the man with two brains came out. I saw that a lot as a kid. I like that movie. And all of me with him and Lily Tomlin. Oh, I saw that like a thousand times. That, that is great. That's a great movie. I was Richard thinking that Libertini Libertini was back passed away. Yeah. Huh? What? Richard Libertini? Uh, oh. Was it? Yeah, the guy who the Beck and Bowl. Beck and Bowl. He just passed away recently. Into Missouskins. All right, also, our final issue uh, came out in February of 82, Marvel Team-Up number 114, uh, where he teams up with the Falcon, and this was written by J.M.D. Mateus and Herb Trimpey. Marvel, Marvel Team-Up, or as it's also known as? Uh, what? Suck at JR. <laughs> Suck at JR. The book George likes, the book JR does not. Well, no, <laughs> JR, JR's wrong on a lot of stuff. We find this out. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and um, and he's how always, generous. He's a always, lot of stuff. Not everything, but a lot of stuff. Not everything, just mostly, you know, most shit. He's never stuff forgiven stuff. me for Secret Wars. And, no, you know, you'll never get forgiveness for that because there's there's no <laughs> forgiveness that. Can be given However, for the that. most recent Secret Wars, yeah, I agree with you. It was well, rough. the most recent <laughs> one, yeah. I mean, but but no, here's the thing. So Jr. is always crapping on our Marvel team up. Yeah, always. <laughs> and Brad, you and I know that there is actually there are some ones. There are some good Marvel ones. team up. Yeah. That Black Widow story we read, I liked. That look that Jr. has on his face right now is the look of a man that knows that uh, that he's been defeated on this, and that he <laughs> and that everything he said is, has been a lie. Yeah. No, it's kind of the bemused look of a person who knows that he's dealing with people who are living in a state of delusion. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's find out but, if but, this one sucked or not. No, but I'll tell you what. Here, here we'll, we'll meet in the middle. Okay. None of the issues we've covered yet in Marvel Team Up have been any good. Okay, because the ones we cover on uh, Friday Night Fights, they're they're awesome, dude. They've been they've been really good. Well, see, that's because you probably have handpicked them. What happens on Spider History? Brad gives me the months. Hey, Jr. Pick from these months. Yeah. Know? And so, 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 so you're saying that this is all Brad's fault? Yes, it is. And so that, that's our common ground is that we both blame Brad on this. Oh, right. they're teaming up on me. Okay, no, I'm good with that. They're teaming up on me against a team up. Yeah, I'm good with that. I would fist bump you, but it would break this this cheap ass camera. Boom. Okay. <laughs> not <laughs> not you, Brad, because apparently uh, you're a horrible person. I guess. And Jr. Yeah. is still a goddamn monster. I'm a goddamn monster. So <laughs> anyway, the but, Falcon 114. All right. Now this this is an issue where what I am quoting from the script. Stop. <laughs> The listeners have no clue. George was impersonating Jr. You're not going to get anywhere by definition of character here. I, <laughs> I remember. I remember that. I remember somebody. You know, I, I, that was something I came to the realization of was that I couldn't sue anybody for definition of character. So if, yeah. now, does Demetrius go into the mind no, of, this, of the heroes in this one? No, but uh, no, but let's just say it stars the Falcon. Okay, it takes place in Harlem. And J.D.M. DeMatteis uh, is a liberal white dude trying to talk like he knows African-Americans and how they talk. Not as in bad as Bill Mantlo, perhaps, but... In 1982. 1982. Okay. So, Put it in context. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, the um, so any of the dialogue that comes from the comic will be straight from the comic. There will be no... He- He's not at living. He's not at living. Direct quotes. So anyway, this ought to be good. The story starts out with this purse snatcher running up the you know out of the subway from because in New York you know it's all subterranean so and he runs into Aunt May and Peter just happens that Peter and Aunt May and uh, Aunt May's crippled boyfriend Nathan Lebinsky are there and then all of a sudden these guys (laughs) in red cowboy hats show up and. They're the um, well, they they're the young watchers. Now you've got to remember too. This is around the time of Curtis Silva's um, Guardian Angels. Yeah, uh, New York. Um, they they were a bunch of red. They wore red berets. And they were the Guardian Angels. So this is a, a knockoff. Was the, was that a gang or did they? They do were like good? an anti-gang. Yeah, they were. Um, yeah, they were an. Yeah, they they basically they were there to kind of try to ward off crime by their presence. They would kind of show up uh, with a with a red hat. With the red hat. With yeah, the red like hat. They, like they'd go on the subway in yeah. groups and 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 just try to make sure that like nobody tries to like prey on people. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds honorable. Yeah. And they yeah, I mean they weren't and you know I I watched an interview with Silva um on uh, the Tomorrow Show with Tom Snyder. Wow. Oh, I I love Tom Snyder. That show used to get freaky back in the day, man. I Towards the end of his life, I emailed back and forth with Tom did Snyder. You really? I I did. I loved. I I he had a website. It was called Colortini.com. Yeah. And I, I he used to do blogs and stuff. And I used to always email him. He always wrote me back, and I always thought that was really nice. And even he sent me an autograph eight by ten. Oh, that's cool. I, I even I asked for it. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, exactly. With a big old smoke, you barely yeah. see his face. 
But I, I, I was too young to watch The Tomorrow Show, but I watched him when he followed David Letterman in the, in the 90s. That's when I watched yeah, the, the Tomorrow Show was uh, did, after Carson. Yeah, did you, George? Did you, the the one that I remember was the one with Johnny Rotten. Yeah, uh, and um, it was Johnny Rotten and one other guy, and that just it went off the rails. Those guys were on drugs. Yeah, and <laughs> Snyder was trying to have a conversation, you know, and Johnny Rotten would just something, you know, just start talking about, you know. I don't know, conspiracies or crazy shit or whatever. And, and Snyder was just, oh my God, what have I gotten myself in here? In for? So. That's funny. You can find that on YouTube, and there's another one on there where um, he interviews Manson. Uh, it, it was, uh, I think it was Kiss. Yeah. And one of the guys is not taking it very seriously. And, and if I recall correctly, it's like, uh, um, oh God, uh, it was probably Ace Frehley. Yeah, I think it was Frehley was like stoned and wasn't taking it seriously. Yeah. And so um, uh, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley were getting all pissed off at him. There's a, there's all kinds of shit out there you can find on YouTube, man. Yeah. JR, check out a, a Tomorrow Show interview with uh, the cast of Star Trek and Harlan Ellison all on the same panel with Snyder. Oh, yeah. I, it's, have, have you seen that? I, I, watched it in the, I watched it when it was first on. <laughs> well, you can watch it again. It's on YouTube. I've seen it. Uh, but I like the Tomorrow Show because he did. He had a guest and talked to them for a half an hour. It you was, can't do that now. It dude. wasn't one of those things like you know Carson, where Carson had had his friends on and you know he let them you know show their latest movie or show or whatever. I mean Tom Snyder, you know, had one of those personalities that you either loved or hated. But usually, you know, he had guests that had interesting things to say, and he let you know. But anyway, so yeah. the Curtis Silva was on, in, but this is what this is based on: the Guardian Angels. Anyway, so these three young guardians show up with their red cowboy hats and they say, we'll get the purse snatcher. And so they go after the purse snatcher, but Peter notices that Aunt May's uh, purse is missing. And he's saying, hmm, um, I'm pretty sure that the the purse snatcher just shoved her aside. It must have been one of those young guardians that took the purse. So, so Peter's already suspicious of these young guardians. And so then we go to a um, well. Jameson is big. He's support. He's big. He's supporting the young guardians. He thinks they do great work. Uh, and then we go to uh, Uptown, in the heart of Harlem, mm-hmm. where Sam Wilson is talking to. I guess at this point in time, he must be doing social work because he's um, talking to a guy by the name of Leon. Says, "I ever lied to you, Leon?" And Leon says, "No, sir, Mister Wilson. You ain't like them other social workers." Um, so Sam Wilson sees, you know, you know, he's waiting for, you know, you know, he knows he's not going to be an interesting character until Anthony Mackie plays him. So he he looks out the window and he sees Spider-Man and he says, hmm, you know, I saw Spider-Man swinging by. That dude is definitely out of his territory. So, so Spider-Man is looking for these, these young guardians. He's in Harlem and he finds their headquarters and they happen to be in a really ritzy penthouse. So that's kind of strange. Wow. These guys are in a really, you know, nice penthouse and all the, there's all this abject poverty around. So the young guardians get attacked, uh, attack Spider-Man. And so Spider-Man says, well, I ain't going to, I'm not going to take this. And so he, you know, throws them off of him. And then he hears a voice that says, no one's getting nothing. Webs. He turns around and, the Falcon, that's who. So, the Falcon earlier, as Sam Wilson, he's wearing a business suit and speaking English, but then he decides to go ghetto when he becomes the Falcon. I don't know if that was if that was the intent of the character, but anyway. Maybe, maybe like in the movies where Bruce Wayne changes his voice. <laughs> so, Spider-Man says, wow, you believe in dramatic entrances. <clears throat> oh, by the way, I think your avian buddy Red Wing is just insulted because you didn't announce him, too. So, the Falcon, save the wit. Why are you poking your snoot in where it doesn't belong? Look, Falcon, I only wanted to know you look. Times are tough. This ain't the 60s anymore. Nobody's yelling about saving the black man or worrying about civil rights. Washington's cutting the budget, and my people are feeling the axe, but bad. More than ever before, we've got to take care of our own. And our own doesn't include you. Mm. 
This is out of the Falcon, huh? This is straight out of the Falcon's mouth. Wow. You know, the Falcon whose best buddy is what? Captain America. The white yeah. dude. Yeah. And he's telling Spider-Man that he don't belong in Harlem, you know. Mm. So, <coughs> anyway, we find out that the whoever is funding these young guardians uh, is obviously a bad guy. So we just, you know, we, we see him talking to one of the, the leaders and says, I sunk a bunch of money into the Watchers and I don't want anything or anyone screwing it up, especially Spider-Man and the Falcon, you know. Mess up again, and it's your last mistake. Dig. Yes, dig. I dig. Okay. Then Sam Wilson gets visited by uh, his nephew and another young guardian who is saying, who's telling him that, you know, something's wrong. All these young guardians aren't on the up and up. Something's crazy. Something screwy is going on. So, so Spider-Man is back in Harlem where, of course, he doesn't belong. And the Falcon says, you know, Falcon shows up and he actually apologizes and says, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm looking into the watcher scene now, too. So you can head back downtown. I still think this is none of your affair. You don't belong in Harlem. And Spider-Man goes, oh, yeah. How do you know I'm not black under this mask? <laughs> the Falcon, there you go. The Falcon goes, are you? Spider-Man says, no, but I'm cute as a button. <laughs> okay, the Falcon says, I can see that there's going to be no arguing with you, Spidey. Come on, you may not be black, but you sure are jive. <laughs> That's a compliment, I think. <clears throat> Isn't it? Yeah, no. Yeah, it is, but I wonder, I, I, again, I'm an old white dude from the Midwest, okay? Right. I'm not going to pretend that I understood how African-American people talk, particularly during that time period, but... I, somehow, I really, ha I really doubt that somebody with the Falcon's education would talk like that. But anyway, yeah. so let's see here. So anyway, they uh, they they split up. They're looking for the young guardians, and Spider Man thinks he sees them robbing a jewelry store. But you know, he's he he can't pin anything on them right now, and so he lets them get away. But he puts a tracer on them, and he starts following them. But then we find out who the mastermind behind the Young Guardians is. And it's Stoneface. Who's that? Stoneface. Well, he's a, he's a black dude with yeah. an angry expression on his face. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he says, I was king of the rackets in Harlem until the Falcon, Spider-Man, and that honky Captain America sent me Ooh. up. Now, this is 1982, 80, 81, 82. Yeah. I don't know if Honky was used during that time by that or not. I think, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think that uh, we might, uh, they might have found another way to disparage white people by that time. But anyway, Honky. <laughs> that Honky Captain America. <laughs> so anyway so Stoneface goes you know he tells this story he went to prison in Nigeria but he still made it he went he uh gambled he make a lot made a lot of money he came back to fund these young guardians because what he's doing is he's getting everybody in New York to trust him but a bunch of them are crooks and then he's going to unleash him in a crime wave and catch on New York by surprise blah 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 you know flawless plan here <laughs> so anyway the Falcon, you know, or the Falcon finds out that his nephew has been kidnapped, uh, and so he and Spider-Man decide to go looking for him. Um, and Spider-Man, let's see here. Spider-Man says, "You see, I stuck one of my handy-dandy spider tracers on the limo before I left today, just to play it safe." And the Falcon says, "Spider-Man, you're all right for a white guy." <laughs> I mean. It, <laughs> Can this be can this be said now? I mean, it, it's like, or, or could Spider Man? Have, of course, then again, Spider Man did ask Black Goliath, "Are you the Black Giant Man?" So mm. anyway, we we go to the headquarters of the Young Guardians, and they're about to kill this boy and and uh, the, the the nephew and Spider Man and the Falcon bust in and start fighting people. And let's see here, you know, they they save the day and. You know, Fal Red Wing helps out the Falcon, and Spider-Man says, Falk, 
You and your bird have worked out some excellent choreography. Almost makes me wish I had an animal partner. Something like Crawlo the Wonder Spider. Crawlo. Crawlo the Wonder Spider. Nice. So... Anyway, so Spider-Man and the uh, and the Falcon capture Stoneface, round up the young guardians, and uh, let's see. Let's see if any more racist things are said. <laughs> let's see. Well, Spider-Man really doesn't like the whole idea of the young guardians. He thinks they're vigilantes. It's like, okay, so what the hell have you been doing for the last several years? It's like, oh, <laughs> I have superpowers, so that's okay. All right. Yeah. When so, they first came out, I remember uh, they weren't really popular with like but, with like civic leaders. No, no. Well, uh, you know, like mayors, and I, I, I think Ed Koch didn't like them initially. Well, you know, you know why? Because they they had failed. The city was a sewer at that time. Yeah, this yeah. is before New York was started being gentrified. Before Disney came and bought big chunks of it and stuff. New York yeah. was a sewer, and they weren't doing a goddamn thing about it. Yeah. You know, so anybody like the, the, the guardian angels made them look bad yeah. because basically it was admitting they couldn't do anything. I mean, the, the reason these guardian angels existed was because of the failure of New York government, city government and the police. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of like, Bernie, you know, I remember when the Bernie Getz thing happened, yeah. you know, I mean, and Bernie Getz at first was considered a hero until you found out what a whack job he was, you know, and. Without getting into this whole thing with Getz, Getz, you know, I mean, Getz put a bullet in the back of a kid who was already down. So, you know, whatever, he lost his self-defense argument there. But after Getz does this, I mean, remember, this is New York in the late 70s, all right, early 80s. And so you got guys like Mario Cuomo and Ed Koch, guys who get, like, taken to work in bulletproof limousines. Yeah. Complain, you know. That kind of stuff, you know. So, yeah, the Guardian Angels were, by the people, they were looked upon fondly, you know. Mm-hmm. And they, they tried to branch them out, and I think they, they had mixed success. Uh, they tried to branch out into California and uh, found out that they were no match for the Crips and the Bloods. Um, but anyway, that was um, that's kind of what they anyway, That's what the set <clears> was. But, um, so Spider-Man, you know, he's saying, oh, they're a bunch of vigilantes. I really don't agree. And the Falcon says, well, okay, take your mask off and just stop being Spider-Man and let the Avengers do everything. And Spider-Man says, oh, no, no, I can't do that. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, just because you caught me in my hypocrisy doesn't mean I have to agree with you. Uh, <laughs> Spider-Man says, until I see one of these kids climbing walls or flying, I'll never agree with what they're doing. So in other words, only if you have superpowers do you have the right to try to take back your community. Sounds right. Sounds uh, you know. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So the uh, out of character. But the anyway. So one of the, the 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 guys with the Falcon says, "Hey, why don't we put an end to the debate for a while and chow down?" And Spider-Man says, "Oh, lunch. I do believe our respective philosophies have found a middle ground. Please pass the mustard." End. And yes, boys and girls, that is another star- sterling issue of Marvel team-up. Finished <laughs> by J.M.D. Mateus, another white man trying to t- imagine what African Americans in the 70s and 80s talked about. Not quite as bad as Bill Mantlo, but, uh, yeah. All right. Um, good month or bad month? What do you think? Mm, see, Amazing 225 was okay. Spectacular 63 was average. It was an okay month. Yeah, still better. Yeah, I mean, after all, you, at, at the most, you only invested 60 cents plus 60 cents plus 60 cents. So for the month's titles, you invested $1.80. Couldn't. That, can't, that doesn't even buy you one comic book in 2016. Yeah, you can't even look at something today for $1.80. <laughs> and, see, and that's and that's kind of the, one of the differences. I remember... Um, uh, when we were making fun of um, slot talk, because I was, so we were talking about Amazing 66 and how Stan was kind of, you know, using an early slot talk where uh, Joe Robertson and Captain Stacy were saying each other's names and things like that. And, yeah. and uh, somebody asked, you know, well, what, 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 what you know, somebody in the, the message board said, well, you know, why is it charming when Stan did it, but not when Dan Slott did it. And then one of our, I, I don't know who responded, but basically said, well, one, because everybody wrote like that back then. Two, mm-hmm. you weren't paying $4 an issue for that shit. Yeah, you true. Know? 
three, and Stan wasn't filling up the uh, the, uh, the letters pages with "Hey, go f yourselves." Yeah, <laughs> so. it was an average month, but you know, really, you yeah. didn't back then. You, you know, you really weren't getting ripped off when you mm-hmm. got a bad story or you got a mediocre story. You know. Yeah. But you might be a little bit more hesitant to pick up the next issue of Marvel Team Up, but you're not. Uh, it doesn't hurt your wallet. You're not bad. hating on it, you know. Yeah. You're not reading it and hating on it. Uh, yeah. Or yeah, and you're right. You're you know some of the others. You say okay, well that wasn't so good, but then maybe the next one will be better. You know, you don't go into it thinking, oh god, this could only get worse from here. So yeah, even even in the '80s, you knew that Amazing was generally going to be the best of the three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Mar- Spectacular was really the secondary title until Stern yeah. took it over. Uh, and Manlo did some good stuff, too. Um, yeah. You know, but, and it, it kind of found its own identity after a while. Peter David came on. Marvel Team-Up never shaped up. Marvel Team-Up was always, always... He can't take a third title. I think Manlo's strongest stuff was that stuff with Dr. Octopus and losing the arms. And, yes. That mm-hmm. stuff was crazy. The 70s, you know, the issue 70s and, and early 80s, until Al Milgram took over the title. And, and until, well, until Mantlo decided to turn the Black Felicia into, into a ditz, you know. Cause, I remember we were covering that fight between, like, Al and Octopus and Black Cat and Spidey was there. I mean, that one that one time when, like, Black, Black Cat got shot 47,000 times. <laughs> Went to the hospital. To the hospital. Yeah. Even got shot in the boot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I remember when Spider-Man says, "You know, you only you only came into this world with two arms." And Doc Ock goes, "What are you doing? I'm just evening the score." Rip. <laughs> I mean, that was a great scene. That was just a really great oh. scene. And it's like, it, it, and and Spider-Man knew, Peter knew that the arms were connected like neurally to his mind, and that it was that it was going to cause him a tremendous amount of pain. Didn't care. Didn't yeah. care. No F's given. Just, oh, yeah. <laughs> the more this hurts you, the better, dude. Exactly. All right. We'll be back in 30 days. Uh, uh.